Chat Podcast number 16, and we are so glad that you're joining us uh, here with Pastor Corey, and hey, if you are joining us online, watching us Facebook Live, give us a little hello, hi, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd love to stay connected with you. Uh, So, hey, this is... uh, this is the, the last of the Everyday Saints series, so yeah. um, it, it, it's been it's been a fun series. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm a little disappointed. It's actually it, we've as we've gone through this, we've we've been talking about hey, which which one, which uh, biblical narratives are we going to go to? Yeah. Where we're going? What are we going to be going into this week? And yeah, I, I, I've got a whole list of ones that I want to dive into now. Yeah, we might have to revisit. The list this. is longer than I thought. I would, the more you look into it. Which is so like perfect for what we've been talking about because it's we're talking about the the verse the theme verses that we've been using. Yeah. The first one you throw it up there for us is uh, is comes from um, first uh, second Corinthians is that uh, that is why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day or right. day by day, day. and yeah. so that that there there are these individuals these these people in the bible our first two was actually a pair the midwives right. uh, shifra and pua yeah. uh, who were being used by god and individuals people in the bible who we kind of just kind of glaze over just kind of move on by, past them right. but they they're necessary for mm-hmm. for the word of god and the the big epic narrative of the word of god mm-hmm. that is given to us we need these everyday saints yeah and, and I think too many times we just kind of waltz right by them. Yeah, and assume there's nothing to learn from them. Yeah, but in reality, sometimes they're they're heroic, but they're just hidden. Yeah, yeah, and then you just take some time to do a little bit of study and look a little bit further into the context, and you discover a hidden hero that can teach you so much about yourself and about living for God. <laughs> and it's incredible. Absolutely. I mean, there's there are I, I literally have a, a we have a running Google Doc now. That has just list of these individuals, and we've only got to look at three of them. So we're gonna have to maybe revisit this series for sure uh, later on down yeah. the road. But uh, the other verse that we've used, and I, I, I'm, I love how it's Paul. So the writers of Luke, of Acts is mm-hmm. Luke, mm-hmm. and Luke is describing what Paul did, mm-hmm. and. We always think of Paul as this dynamic character that did these big events and like had these big moments in, in Scripture, which he did. He had some sure. moments, but in this moment, Luke captures it this way. He says he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was normal. He went to church, and then he adds, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. And we, we've you know been talking about this. This wasn't a bullhorn on on the you know downtown corner it wasn't getting the he was going into his marketplace the one translation says marketplace he went to his uh and so we this whole series has been taking hey how do we take our our marketplace and turn it into our ministry yeah and so you jumped in and brought us this message sunday and you brought the word bro yeah it was fun (laughs) it was it It was was good yeah and i i found myself doing exactly what i hear you saying and doing every sunday is like man there's just not enough time to really to do this justice you know to to no. give uh, all of the life lessons in the scripture but um in acts chapter nine is where we where we see a man by the name of ananias and he is this hidden hero he's a he's a hero behind a hero he helps 
Paul get his start in ministry by just being a faithful everyday saint. Yeah. And it says here in verse 1, it says that Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he was heading from Jerusalem to Damascus, which is about 150 miles. That's the equivalent of if we were to leave here, right here from the church and start walking, be 150 miles to Sandusky, which is where Cedar Point is. So we want to go hit some roller coasters. We better start walking because it is a long way Yeah, if you're not driving in a car. So this is a dedication. This is Saul Absolutely. who's ready to go all the way to a city with essentially like he has warrants to go arrest these men and women who are calling themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. You, you read from the uh, ESV. The mm-hmm. New Living Translation said that he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Yeah, That's pretty... Breathing blank. threats, eager to kill... Some translations talk about how he he was hoping to not just catch them, but he was hoping to be able to arrest them and possibly stone them. So he was wanting to, at the very least, arrest them. And then he was obviously going to vote, if he had the chance, vote that they get the death penalty. Which he did with Stephen. Exactly. Yeah. So this was kind of the status quo for the early followers of Jesus. They were constantly being hunted down, (laughs) even as far away from where it all started in Jerusalem, as far away as Damascus. Yeah, it's interesting because the week before we talked about Abraham's servant, Eleazar, who traveled a similar route, yeah. uh, he kept going, but the, we talked about the dedication that he had for his master. Right, it, to go the, that far. Paul has some serious dedication to his belief system Yep. and what he had in his, in his heart to do what he did. Yeah, and what's interesting about this story is he ends up becoming one of the very people he sets out to destroy. <laughs> yeah. It, it says here in, in verse 3 that as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. God waits until he's almost there. Because wouldn't it be like God to wait until he's almost to one of the biggest, most dynamic cities in this region where all the trade routes, a lot of things are happening. If you want to, yeah. ta- If you want to carry a message... Of Jesus Christ, you want to go to a place like Damascus where it's going to cross into Egypt and it's going to cross into Mesopotamia. It's going to go throughout basically the known world yeah. at this time. And it says he was almost there. This bright light shines around him. He falls to the ground. He hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. So he's blind now for the next three days. The people that are there with them, it says that they they couldn't see anyone, but they heard the voice. So they know something crazy just happened. So they help their boy, they help they help <laughs> him get to where he needs to go to, and he's there waiting because God told him to wait. You're going to be told what to do, and, and when, man, what an awakening <laughs> to take place. When a voice from heaven that's knocked you off your saddle, yeah, uh, you're going to listen to it. Yeah, I would hope exactly. So they're standing on this this road to Damascus. They're almost there. They go in, and God has, obviously, a plan. He always has a plan, and he sends someone named Ananias. It says there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying to me. He's seen in a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So God has set this all up. All Ananias has to do is say, okay. And he literally answers the Lord, leaning forward, ready to obey. 
And he's like, okay. And then he does what most of us would do. He goes, well, wait, wait a minute. Did I hear you say, Saul, this is the guy you want me to go pray for? I've heard what he's done. And I've heard the, the harm that he's brought to the people who call you rabbi, the people yeah. who call you Lord. I love the way the NLT says, but Lord, <laughs> how many times have we got to places in our lives where yeah. God calls us to, to do something we're like, but Lord? Yeah, there's got to be some restrictions involved. Here. <laughs> Are you sure about this one? Yeah, exactly. So he does it, He does what all of us, I think, would do in that situation. He's like, let's make sure we're talking about the same guy. you know. And I would have had way more questions than that. But God just replies with just one word, go. He says, go. I want to show Paul, at this time Saul, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed. He entered the house, laying his hands on him. I love the first words he says to Saul is, brother Saul, <laughs> the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in most Bibles, this is titled Paul's conversion or Saul's conversion or the <laughs> conversion of the apostle. Um, but I think this is, for me, and especially for the sake of this study, this is a, a better title would be heroic obedience. Because what Ananias does is heroic. Absolutely. He, yeah. he answers the call to go and lay his hands on a man who came to kill him. He goes, and the first words out of his, out of his mouth is, brother. I mean, you talk about you talk about humility, and that's what he does. The, the two things that just stood out to me right at the beginning of this story is his humility and his consistency. Because Paul later gives a shout-out to him when he's, I believe he's making an appeal to the Sanhedrin later on in chapter 22 of the same book. And he says that Ananias was a devout man. He had a great reputation. So this was not his first time. I believe that Ananias was able to step in and do this big thing for God because he was already doing the little everyday things for God. So to him, okay. this wasn't like this. You know, you could say this wasn't his first rodeo, right? This was an opportunity for him to just continue to serve as he was already doing as a consistent follower of Christ. And I, from there on Sunday, I, I had a lot of fun talking about how all of those things stand out to us. Like when we're reading the Bible, things just pop out to us. But then there's other times where you really have to kind of like do a little bit of digging. But for me, when I re-looked at this story, the thing that stood out to me to the, mo the most was the thing that I had skipped over every other time reading the story. And it's just a very brief statement in verse 10 of Acts 9. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. So why did God choose Ananias? Because he was a disciple. I mean, he, he didn't necessarily have this, you know, this repertoire of all these life-changing experiences. He didn't have this long list of ministry. Play. He wasn't a celebrity pastor, right? He wasn't this person that, I mean, God could have chosen anybody, one of the original 12 disciples maybe. But he chose a man named Ananias simply because he was already a disciple. He was in the right place at the right time. And as a disciple, in this day and age, even modern day, followers of a rabbi like Ananias was a follower a disciple a Talmud is the Hebrew word for disciple of Jesus they would have done something every morning and every night which is called the Shema it's a prayer mm -hmm. but it's so much more than a prayer it's a it's a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 and it says listen O Israel the Lord is our God the Lord alone and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul 
in all your strength. And I believe this is what was at the core of who Ananias was. And because this was at the core of who he was, this was the fundamental concept of why he lived life, he was able to step in and do something amazing for God as an everyday saint. Yeah. And and fr from there, we, we kind of just went into what is the Shema really? What is so unique about it? What is so fundamental about it? And the four main words is listen, which is Shema in Hebrew. Yeah. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And from those four words, I believe it lays out sort of this, this perfect little chronological order for how we can kind of align ourselves up when we get stuck in a rut. It helps us get back to that fundamental concept of who are we in Christ and who is it that God's calling us to be. Yeah. Yeah, the Shema is such a powerful thing, and it is part of who they were as a disciple. It wasn't just... Uh, it. You, you mentioned this on Sunday that it's a it, it is what many Jews hope will be the last words that right. they speak as they move from this life to the to eternal life. Yeah. They're, they're, they want it to be the, their life verse. Their last words is I, I have done this verse. So it's mm -hmm. not just something that's just you know a lot of times we'll have prayers that we just repeat mm -hmm. and you know <laughs> some of them or we even have a life verse or something yeah. like that that we you know we would hope that would if when people remember us when we pass on that they'll remember this was our life verse which is a great concept and this is kind of that same yeah. same thing it, to this, a point that this is what they want they want to have lived this out yeah. so yeah powerful defining characteristic mm -hmm. of who they were 100% and, and so that first word that the lord uses in the shema is shema which is why it's titled the shema as a prayer but the shema Hear and obey is the definition of Shema. It's more than just, hey, hear me now. I want to say something to you. <laughs> it's the word listen with the intent of obedience. Right. Like, lean in. I want to make sure I have your eyes and your ears. I want to make sure I have your undivided attention because I want you to observe and take in, completely take it in, consume what I'm about to give you. And so what are some of the ways that those who are listening either tonight and listening to this later in the work week, what are some of those ways that we can observe what it is that God is laying before us? I think be, being aware. We talk, um, seeing it the way that um, through the eyes of, of Jesus, that yeah. we, we see things not, not just for our benefit, which is, you know, that's not wrong, mm -hmm. but to, to be aware of where we're at in our lives. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Ananias is, is a great example of that, of where he was, to be aware enough to say, here I am, Lord. Yeah. And, and I think so many times we get so caught up in our in our lives and our daily go, 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 mm -hmm. that we don't hear God, so we're not able to respond, wow. here I am. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a time where we slow down enough to say the Shema. Yeah. So we're, and I think that's a, a good practice. Yeah, right. it is part. It is bringing religion into our relationship, mm -hmm. yeah. which religion's not all bad. I know right. a lot of times we get real hesitant about being, mm -hmm. you know, religion, but religion is just a pattern of doing things, mm -hmm. and so uh, that's one form of knowing religion. So when we say, "Hey, we, you know, I, I want to bring in a a moment of every day where I either I begin my day, midway through my day, closing yeah. out my day, where I." I slow down enough right. to hear the Lord speaking to yeah. me, and I'm able to hear him and respond, Yeah, here am I. Yeah, that's huge. Just to have the discipline as a disciple, and that's part of the word disciple, right? <laughs> to have yeah. that discipline to stop, to slow down, and to, to observe 
what it is that God's wanting to say to us. And then once we are listening to God, we're observing what it is, God asks us to love him then with all of our heart, to engage what it is that he's telling us and let what it is he's speaking to us take root in our lives. What are, what are some of those ways where we really get to, to consume the word of God now that we've set aside the time for God to speak, how do we really take that and internalize it to put it into our hearts so we can live it out? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, each person, this is the journey that we're walking day by day. Yeah. And that's where, one, we realize where we're at. Two, mm-hmm. we, we let it take root. We, um, this is that, that look in the mirror moment we talked about a couple weeks ago when James, yeah. you look in the mirror and you get, you get the cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you got to, uh, you allow it to soak in that this is an area of my life that does need to change. Mm-hmm. And, and to that, and we've talked about this before. And when we launched authentic church, you, you I, I remember sitting down with you and we're talking about authentic and this is that word. And you know, is it, is it, what, what does it mean to be authentic? And we said yeah. the, the, the truest form of authenticity is admitting you could be wrong. Right. I'm just being real here. I, this is yeah. where I'm at in my life, and that's where we look at. It's like a, an, a vulnerability. Yeah. That you don't really see in church, especially church leadership, really. And as Christians, we can get away from that vulnerability and hold each other accountable. But being authentic is the first step, for yeah. sure. And saying, "Hey, this this is an area that I need to grow in. Yeah. I, I, this is really I, I need to adjust this and." And allow those closest to us to mm-hmm. speak that into us, uh, so that we are, we can observe it, that we can see it, mm-hmm. and we let it take root. It, and that's what I think God's getting at when He talks about loving Him with all of our heart, is to just open ourselves up to Him, like not just love Him religiously or with you know with our religious acts, but to love Him with who we are, opening up our hearts, putting letting the walls down, letting Him in, and letting the people who want to love us in as well. Yeah. That's huge, it, and that's the, that's the next step. Then is to address our soul. So now that we're loving him, and God's pointing some things out, it's time now to address our soul, <laughs> love him with our soul, take care of the things that we need to take care of, take authority over those things. Yeah. That sometimes we say we can't control, but in reality, if we're loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul, we're addressing the things, and He's leading us to do that. And then, of course, the very next thing then is to love Him to the point where we are ready to obey him, love him with our strength, our might. And this is where we get to take what's been internalized in our hearts, what we've addressed in our souls, and now with our actions and our words, go and actively obey. And that's the Shema. Yeah. And that's where the challenge of Ananias was ready to respond in obedience, and that's that heroic obedience you're talking about, yeah. is that he was able to take the action because he was taking the time to let that, to observe, to take it in, to... Mm-hmm. Uh, let it sink into who he was, and then at the moment that God called, he was ready to step in. Yeah, and I think there's you know, I, I, every Sunday I, I look around, and it was kind of a different perspective this Sunday because mm-hmm. I, I got to sit in the position of kind of looking at, at differently yeah. from a different perspective, different angle for sure. Yeah, and I, as I sat there, you know, I'm, I'm looking at individuals that are in our church and people I'm thinking of that I know God's calling into a place of man. I know it's nerve wracking. I know it's I can understand why they have that but Lord moment. Yeah. <laughs> but Lord, are you sure? Right. And man, it is when we step into that, our name, it, it, you know, we may we may not become the Paul, but mm-hmm. the Ananias, mm-hmm. the day-to-day. Without the Ananias, there was no Paul. Exactly. God was ready to use an everyday saint to activate a ministry that helped turn the world upside down. Yeah. 
and is still turning the world upside down as we read some of the letters that Paul's writing in the Bible, you know? And, yeah, these stories, among many others, like we mentioned, are stories of people just like us, everyday saints, that are just ready. We're disciples, and we're ready to be used by God. And I think sometimes we just got to remember to get back to that fundamental concept of the Shema, to take it in, let it take root, right? Mm -hmm. And then go and address, take authority, and then obey, take action. And that's yeah, what it's all about perhaps. as a Christian. Yeah, that, and this is, it's not, it never says, nowhere is it easy. And that's why right. Ananias questions it. But I want to put the challenge out, and I want to close in a prayer yeah. uh, that we just, um, that we step into the Shema, not mm -hmm. just as a, a prayer that we pray, but a life that we live. Love it. So, Lord Jesus, I pray right now, though, that you anoint uh, each, Corey and I, and those that are listening, those that are uh, driving and, uh, and listening to the podcast, those that are watching on Facebook, look, wherever they're gathering this information, Lord, I pray that it's more than information. It's more than just a prayer that we pray, but, Lord, it's a life that we live. So we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.